Good morning. Uh, we're going to be continuing our sermon series uh, through 1 Corinthians chapter 14. And so I'm going to just read through uh, verses 1 through 14 here. Paul says, Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. For one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men but to God. For no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the spirit. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. The one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. Now I want you all to speak now I want you all to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone interprets so that the church may be built up. Now, brothers, if I come to you speaking in tongues, how will I benefit you unless I bring you some revelation or knowledge or prophecy or teaching? If even lifeless instruments such as the flute or the harp do not give distinct notes, how will anyone know what is played? And if the bugle gives an indistinct sound, who will get ready for battle? So with yourselves, if your tongue, you utter speech that is not intelligible, how will anyone know what is said? For you'll be speaking into the air. There are doubtless many different languages in the world, and none is without meaning. But if I do not know the meaning of the language, I will be a foreigner to the speaker, and the speaker a foreigner to me. So with yourselves, since you are eager for the manifestations of the Spirit, strive to excel in the building up of the church. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. So we began uh, the book of 1 Corinthians back in September, and we're wrapping it up today. And next week, uh, we begin sort of getting ready for Christmas. And, and what we've been trying to do is, is, of course, clearly understand what it is Paul is saying to the church, but then also what does it mean for us? Like what is Paul then um, saying to us? And chapter 14 is thematically very similar to chapter 13, which Pastor Anthony preached on last week. If you recall, uh, and, and maybe you recall from your own wedding or a friend's wedding, uh, but chapter 13 is the love is passage. And Paul says at the end of this passage, three things remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. And so he begins chapter 14 by saying to us to pursue love. Like out of everything we should be doing, we should be pursuing the love of Christ and the love of our neighbor as, as God leads us. And he begins to sort of unpack what that looks like in the church of Corinth. And in the section we read, he, he picks up that theme again of, of the music and the instruments. If you remember um, last week... Pastor Anthony was talking about the ganging gong and the cymbals clashing. And if you're not speaking in love, if you're not speaking in a way that builds up, you're just this clashing racket, this noise that isn't helpful to the church. And similarly, Paul sort of gets into this spiritual gifts conversation, and, and he says that all of us, you know, everyone has a distinct note to play. He's like, if you're not playing a distinct note, you're, you're not heard. If, if the, the bugle is not loud and clear, no one will move to action. 
And so he's sort of laying out this, this, this imagery between chapters 13 and chapters 14. And, and I believe Anthony said some about this as well. In a sense that you are all part of an orchestra with your each individual gift or instrumentation that you bring. And Christ is the, the conductor sort of bringing it all together to play something wonderful and beautiful and crystal clear. But sometimes it's not crystal clear. And this is what he's starting to address in chapter 14, is that sometimes things aren't as clear as they should be, and it sounds all unintelligible and disorganized. Sometimes the orchestra of the church sounds unclear and more like a a middle school orchestra maybe, right? And so what... God is really calling us to do through Paul is to clearly be who we are for the sake of building up of the church. What begins to be discussed in this is sort of this tension, I guess, maybe between tongues and prophecies. And and there's this sense in the early church that some are viewing some gifts as more valuable than others and And people are maybe striving to have those gifts over and against others. And so maybe there's a little bit of competition between the gifts. I mean, Paul says it's great if we speak tongues, we should all speak in tongues, but prophecy is even greater. And yet people are sort of, it seems like in the church in Corinth, there's a group of people that are just sort of babbling unintelligibly as they're speaking in in tongues. And it's not really clear what tongues is. Like, part of the passage, it, it sounds like this sort of language between a person and God, and it's not necessarily anything specific. But then a little bit later in the chapter, Paul says that speaking in tongues is for those outside the church, and prophecy is for those inside the church. Almost like this is a, an actual language that can be interpreted or understood. And it harkens back to the Pentecost story. Where after the ascension of Christ, the Holy Spirit comes and rests. And as Peter is proclaiming the gospel, everyone hears in their own native tongue the gospel. But it was so crazy that those who weren't hearing it, who were not moved by the Spirit, what did did they say it looked like from the outside looking in? It looked like a bunch of drunk people just talking. And so what Paul is advocating for is something that looks, does not look like a bunch of drunk people talking, but something that clearly proclaims the message of Christ. And this makes sense too. Um, the Church of Corinth was uh, a metropolitan area. There was multiple cultures and the, the, the gospel was spreading and people were coming in from all over the place and, and people were speaking different languages and had different customs and And what Paul is basically saying is this is what the gift of tongues is really for. It's to clearly proclaim the gospel of Christ to other people, but it it needs to be interpreted. If people are just babbling and it's not clear what's being said, then it's not building up the church. It's not helpful. And you can get a sense of maybe what this might be like in some other contexts at times. Um, have have any of you have any of you ever been to like a Pentecostal revival kind of church before? Just a few of you. Yeah. 
The very first time I experienced this was when I was in college here in Austin. Um, some friends of mine in the dorm, we decided to go check out a Pentecostal church in North Austin. And um, I'll just, it's like the opposite of what most worship settings are like here, right? Um, like y'all are all sitting quietly, maybe even falling asleep. Like you're just doing your own thing. You're minding your own business. You're kind of listening. Um, a Pentecostal revivalist church is not this at all. Like I, I walked in um, and, and immediately I knew I was not in Kansas anymore. Uh, there, me and my friends were sitting and all of a sudden people start popping up in the pews and not only are they shouting amen and all this stuff, but they start like speaking in some an unintelligible tongue of some sort. And um, and it's not just one person, it's like people are just, just kind of, as they are so moved, popping up and doing it. And I remember this one woman stood up and she bolted towards the altar and the pastor was up there speaking in tongues and he laid his hand on her and she fell back and they draped a cloth over her and she started thriving and shaking and everyone was saying, amen, praise Jesus, amen, praise Jesus. And and I have never been so uncomfortable in my life. I just thought, oh, this is interesting. Uh, the only thing that might make me more uncomfortable is like the opposite end, like a Quaker service where they sit in silence for an hour waiting for the Holy Spirit to move someone to speak. Uh, I mean, it was, just, it was just so foreign to me. And if you haven't experienced this, um, I, I did pull a clip. It's a very short clip just so you can get a sample of what this is like. Um, so let me share that with you real quick. I pray in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Oh, yes, strengthen him, strengthen this Christian in the name of Jesus. And so just imagine like what he was saying at the beginning, but just happening sporadically at different times throughout the entire service. And, it, and it's overwhelming if you experience this. Like, you can kind of get a sense of what Paul is trying to address here. It's like, you, you need to have, like, some good order. Like, it needs to make sense. There needs to be a, a reason for it. Otherwise, it obscures the, the clear proclamation of who Christ is. And this is not new. Like, you know, because there was some maybe sense that some spiritual gifts are better than others or people were trying to place themselves above fellow uh, followers of Christ by portraying or having a gift that somebody else did not, um, it, it maybe created this context at times where it was almost like competitive, like I'll speak in tongues and I'll speak in tongues louder and I'll do one better and I will, I will dance while I'm speaking in tongues. Who knows what was going on exactly? But it made me think of uh, the Gospel of Matthew in Matthew chapter 6. Jesus was addressing the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, and he was addressing some of their behaviors because at times they would want to make sure everyone knew how righteous they were. They would want everyone to see how good they were, how much better they were in some way, in some form or fashion. And so Christ said to them, he says, beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. And what Jesus was saying is like, if you're, if you're doing all these things in the context of worship and faith for others to see how good you are, then we have a problem. The, the right hand and the left hand shouldn't know what the other is doing. And this, 
can be something that we experience too. I mean, what Paul and what Christ are, are really driving home is it's not about you, it's about something bigger. And if it's not pointing to something bigger, then you are kind of making it about you. And so, like, in the church, like, you know, pr- probably for a lot of pastors, for sure, the temptation might be to, to make it about, like, my righteousness, like to be showy in some way, like there's pressure because I'm the pastor, I've got to be, I don't know, better than you in some way, I guess. Know scripture in a certain way that maybe you don't. But it doesn't only apply to the pastor, like it happens within the context of a congregation too. Like we tend to um, make things that are really just about ourselves and try to apply it to the whole body, but not to the building up of the body, not out of pursuit of love, but because of ourselves. And so, I mean, this can look like a number of things, like, you know, maybe um, in this context, maybe it's like, you know, you, you need, um, it's not true worship unless the lights are moving a certain way. Or unless a particular song is played, or unless people are testifying and raising their arms in a certain way, then it's not true worship, it's, it's something else. And now it becomes more about you and not about pursuit of love in the body of Christ. And there's, there's nothing wrong with having preferences or um, proclivities, that's a big word. It's not about you know, not having preferences, but it's about knowing that sometimes your preferences don't matter for the sake of the whole body, for the sake of clearly proclaiming the message of Christ. I mean, I think about this all the time. Like, we have three very different worship services here at Bethany, very traditional, and then this service, very contemporary. And you think I like everything about all of them? No, I don't. But why do I show up and enthusiastically lead through the services no matter what the style is or what it looks like or what it sounds like? I do it for the sake of the body of Christ to clearly proclaim something beyond me and pointing to something greater. This is what Paul says in 14. He says, strive to excel in the building up of the church. And so this is what we are striving forward in. And it makes sense. It makes perfect sense because in chapter 15, we preached on this on All Saints Sunday, but in chapter 15, he talks about the resurrection of Christ and he talks about how death, you know, where is your victory, O death? Where is its sting? Because it's been defeated in Christ. And he says this, he clearly proclaims what Jesus did and what Jesus accomplished after saying, hey, listen, y'all. Have good order. Do things so that people clearly hear this message that Christ is risen and death is defeated. And anything that gets in the way of that message or prevents it from being clearly proclaimed might be a problem. So it's okay if you speak in tongues, but not if it's about you speaking in tongues. It's okay to have the gift of prophecy, but not if it's about you having the gift of prophecy. It's about the building up of the church. And so a little bit later in chapter 14, he talks about orderly worship. He says, come together, 
with a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, but make sure it's being interpreted. Be clear. Proclaim it. And honestly, this is why in our tradition, there's order. Like, imagine if we didn't have, quote, good order. Like, let's just say, like, instead of having service at 11, you know what? Just come to service whenever the Spirit moves you. And then when you show up, maybe I'll be here. Maybe I won't. Maybe the Spirit hasn't moved me to be here yet. Okay? Or, or when you come, like, I don't know, like, we can get the musicians up here and be like, hey, I don't know what we're going to sing today, but let's go ahead and take requests. What are we going to sing today in worship? What would that be like? Let's just open up the Bible and, and just go randomly on something, riff on something. You know, from the people on the outside looking in, sometimes it can seem strange to have a congregation that, like, stands up and sits down in unison or maybe says a prayer together or says a creed together, but it's all for, for good order. It's to, to tell a story, to paint a picture, to point to something greater than ourselves. In a way, we are meant to get lost in the crowd We each have our own note, but it should blend in with the rest of the orchestra. It should point to something greater. Jesus Christ crucified. And so this is what Paul ends his letter to the Corinthians on. He says, have good worship. Like, make it bigger than you. Pursue love and and proclaim Christ who has defeated death. And then in chapter 16, he gives thanksgiving for lots of people and shares some plans for his travels. But he ends it this way. He says, if anyone has no love for the Lord, let him be accursed. O Lord, come. And he says, the grace of the Lord Jesus be with you. My love be with you all in Christ Jesus. Amen.